Welcome to Short's Bite-Sized Edition. I'm Jen Thomas. I live in London, UK. And I'm Lizzie Falconer, and I'm in Portland, Oregon. We are two long-distance friends who want to talk about what we're reading. This podcast is about how reading short stories can show the world through different perspectives. Today we're reading Who Am I? A flash fiction piece by Amanda Olive Amoa. It was published in 2015 on Flash Fiction Ghana. In this story, our narrator wakes up and discovers she doesn't know who she is. Through the course of her day, she cycles through a routine marked by reminding and forgetting. We've linked the story in the show notes. Jen, we're back with another flash fiction piece for our Shorts Bite-Sized Edition. I'm excited about these flash fictions. They're, it's so great to have such a compact little story, one that you can fit in in your tea break. Um, and they're so dense. There's always so much to think about. Yeah, they're very fun. And I feel like it gets it. It's a structure and form that allows authors to be very creative and very daring in their work. Uh, and I feel like there's always a lot of surprises in them. Yeah. I agree. And this one, I mean, this one isn't as fun, maybe, as it is just a kind of, I don't know, it's quite a hard one to read. I was unpacking it as I went, and you kind of, as you start to realize what's happening to the to the narrator, it's it, it becomes hard, I think, to get through this one. I think so, too. Uh, there's a, The ending is sad, and that as you start to realize what's happening, I mean, I think you can feel a certain heaviness in the writing and in the narrator as she figures out what's happened to her. But I also think there's some moments of joy in it that I loved. Yeah. So we start off in the beginning and it's a very classic beginning to any story. I wake up because the sun is shining on my face. I roll onto my side and peer at the alarm clock. Sigh. It's two hours till my alarm goes off. There's no point trying to go back to sleep, so I jump out of bed and into the shower. And the narrator's walking us through the day, walk, or walking us through their morning routine, just as they're waking up, those first few minutes. And then the last part of the sentence, or of the paragraph, it says, I go to the sink to brush my teeth. There's a note on the mirror. Walk the dog. I have a dog? I love that. I love that twist right up front. And that first paragraph as you say it just feels so familiar uh, it feels familiar in the writing it feels familiar in the routine you know this is a Ghanaian writer but we could be we could be anywhere we could be anyone it's hugely relatable this this these steps of the morning routine and then suddenly there's a note on the mirror and you realize that this woman doesn't know who she is where she is what her life story is. I have a dog. It's just such a a simple n turn of the knife and I am totally alert like what is happening. Yeah, and I've never read anything by this author before, so I don't know where are we? Are we on earth? Are we in a spaceship? Are we in a mental <laughs> ward? Like you have no idea where this story is going at this point. It could be anything. And I love I love the way that the author builds a picture of 
this world because it's all in the details of a very ordinary life. So we have a, you know, we've had waking up with the alarm clock. She's gone to have a shower. She she has a dog. She puts on her jeans and a white t-shirt. She touches her hair. Like we are just step by step on a daily routine that feels very recognizable, but she doesn't recognize the world that is being revealed to her. And that is so smart because, you know, we're not on a spaceship. We're not in a kind of distant land. We are we are in something that should feel or that feels to me recognizable and she is not recognizing things. So she uh, meets the dog and she is she doesn't know if how how she's meant to feel about the dog uh she doesn't know the gender of the dog she kind of makes a point of that um and then suddenly there's this lovely moment of recognition as as she sort of interacts with the dog for the first time and i loved i loved this moment and i loved this writing he inches forward and licks my face it is a feeling i remember I laugh. I like it. I wrap my arms around his neck and bury my face in his fur. A tear runs down my cheek. He is such a big dog. Oh, I mean, I love when a, a pet, a dog especially, is featured in any story. That's a plus for me. But also, it's the only feeling she remembers throughout the whole story is her relationship with the dog. It's the only one she recognizes. And did you notice, Jen, I the... The writer's sentence structure is very short and her word choice is super simple to also mimic, I think, how this woman is seeing and understanding her world. You know, I laugh. I like it. I wrap my arms around his neck. You know, he is such a big dog. Yeah. I think that is also telling us something about the mental state that our character's in. There's a simplicity to that language and an almost kind of childlike expression of emotions um, that as we move through the story becomes very important as we as the readers are piecing together this narrative. I think you're absolutely right. That's a very smart choice from the writer here. So she gets the dog. She uh, knows what it means to take him on a walk. So she gets to the door and she says, I don't know what to do or where to go. Nothing looks familiar. He walks forward till he's run out of leash and then sits down and turns to me. He is waiting. So we get the sense she doesn't know where she is, but the dog is used to this routine. The dog is going to lead her. And just like you're saying, Jen, we, so we start to understand that the place should be familiar. It's familiar to the dog. It's a routine she seems to know part of, but she's not recognizing the world around her. And I think this is where I started to think, oh, okay. Maybe maybe she has dementia, maybe she has Alzheimer's. Yeah. I mean, it's you really do feel like the dog knows more than she does at this point. The dog knows who she is. The dog knows where to go. The dog is ready for the walk. And as she goes out into the world, the people in her community recognize her and them. Um, the newspaper boy, the cocoa seller, the seamstress, they smile and wave at her. Um, and it says... I don't remember knowing them, but I manage a crooked, uncertain smile anyway. And just in that line, 
you start to I that's where I started to feel like what is her experience of this day emotionally so we have that moment where she likes where she sort of has that recognition with the dog but then all of these points of unrecognition where people are seeing her and know her and she doesn't there's that word uncertain and that just feels so important mm -hmm. she's uncertain she's she's unsteady she doesn't know these people i mean what must that experience be like and it goes from that the next line after that is we come back to the house and i lock us in she's scared Exactly. Like there's part of that that's routine. That's part of that that you think, of course, you come back to the house, you lock the door. That's what I do every time I come home. But she's back in her space now. I lock us in. Yeah, she, the house she knows is safe. And she then takes a nap, but doesn't remember falling asleep. Her alarm wakes her. So we know it's another external cue that's moving her forward. And she says, I roll to the other side of the bed and there's a note stuck to the pillow feed the dog. And then I have a dog. And this made me think of, did you ever see that movie with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, 51st States? Oh my God, I did. Yeah. <laughs> and in that, you know, Drew Barrymore has um, short-term memory loss. And at the very end of the movie, the way that Adam Sandler like reintroduces himself to her every single morning that she wakes up is through this series of post-it notes that lead her on this journey. And then she watches videos of them meeting and um, dating. And so that by the time she reaches him every single morning, she remembers who he is. And that's, that's what I thought of when I saw this second note of 90s callback. Thank you. There it She's is. She's a millennial. Oh, there she is. Drew Barrymore <laughs> and Adam Sandler. For some of our longer, younger listeners, those were two very important movie stars of the mid-90s. Oh, God, if they don't know those two. Whew, bless. This section also made me question who is writing the notes mm, yeah I, we don't feel like there's another character in the space just now but later we meet her son and I was thinking did she think to write the note walk the dog feed the dog or is this something that is around her life because she's on she's in her bed when she finds the note stuck to her pillow feed the dog but she doesn't find it in the morning so it's like when she goes to bed did she write that note and she, and the author is omitting that or is there just notes do you think we're just in a sea of notes in the house mm. yeah or is her routine so established the notes can be exactly where she needs to be mm. and then there's this next section and this is the section where my heart just started to break a little bit because it is so beautifully reconstructed where she meets the dog again later that day. I get out of bed and walk out of the room. Sure enough, there's a huge dog in front of the kitchen entrance wagging a very heavy tail. He doesn't look dangerous. I walk forward cautiously anyway. He lets out a loud bark and stands up. I take a step back. He comes up to my waist. He licks my hands and nuzzles my palms. It is a feeling I remember. I like it. I smile. I wrap both my arms around his neck and bury my face in his fur. A tear runs down my cheek. Oh, it's just, 
the same structure as the paragraph at the beginning where she meets him. But it's more heartbreaking because we're going through it again. And it's not exactly the same, but it's her brain following the same pattern. And that feels really scary. That feels really scary. And I don't know if you've known anyone in your life who's who's suffered from um, Alzheimer's, but I feel like that emotion being right at the surface is something that definitely I've seen. So both times where she meets the dog and has this moment of connection, a tear runs down her cheek. And I think that that emotional vulnerability of feeling uncertain, of feeling a bit lost, and then having a moment of a connection, but it's connection that you can't trace back. You can't kind of know. And that emotion just being right at the surface, there's something that feels very familiar to me as someone who ha- who's known someone who's who's been going through this and I just think that how the author has managed to construct that in this tiny piece of fiction to feel so real and so frightening and so beautiful I just think it's a masterpiece yeah I do my I have an aunt who suffers from early onset Alzheimer's and yeah it's very similar um I the last time I saw her I watched her do very similar things over and over and it was really difficult because she was the most capable woman I'd ever met and it's incredibly heartbreaking to watch someone lose their sense of where they are and also seeing how truly anxiety provoking and scary that is absolutely and I love that we get in this story the perspective of the person. I think we, with Alzheimer's, we think a lot of our experience watching, our experience having to see someone that we know and love slip away sometimes or change. And actually to have this story told from the perspective of the person who is trying to make sense of the world around them feels so important and feels like such a story or a narrative that we don't hear or see enough and I love I love that I love that perspective I agree it's you don't you don't see it very often it's and there is like endearing moments so we get to walk through this journey with her of waking up and not realizing anything's astray and then being like who is this dog I have to take it on a walk going back to sleep like we we get to walk through her day moment by moment as she greets kind of a new world and her dog over and over again. And it's a different, it definitely makes you start thinking about how you view your own life and that what would happen if you didn't know how to get around your own house or if you couldn't remember your pets or your family, which is so common for so many people. Yeah. And there's that moment towards the end of this, this very petite story where she where she sees and meets her son and I think there's something really interesting about how this plays out because he comes in she's she doesn't realize anybody else has got keys so you know it says I I stiffen so she's she's nervous that someone's coming in and then she sees her son who she doesn't recognize and you get that same kind of one line in its own paragraph as we did with I have a dog when we get he's my son. 
and you see her start to piece this together. And I think what's interesting about the way that the author positions this is that we suddenly understand that the narrator thinks that she is 25. So we have this perspective of this woman who is kind of caught in a moment in her life and has lost a dec what we then understand is decades because we realize her son is at least 30 and she's only 25 in her head. And she asks him, are you from the future? I mean, that is the most likely thing for her. And she's surprised and she's then shocked to hear her own voice because like you said, she's lost decades. She says, why do I speak with an English accent as well? You know, and it's incredibly confusing and scary for her. And, you know, you can tell that this is a routine that her son has been through many times before. Yeah. He walks up to me, hugs me with his free hand and gives me a kiss on the cheek. No, mom, I'm not from the future. He walks past me into the kitchen. There's an acceptance between them, which is kind of lovely. But also you understand that he's gone through this again and again, because he's not, you know, he doesn't take more time than that. He kind of corrects her or answers her question, I should say, kindly. And then he then he's gone and she's still left kind of confused and within her own uncertainty. And I think that the ending of this is is extraordinary. Um, the when she catches a, a her reflection, um, and she says, "My midnight black dreadlocks have all gone grey. I've got wrinkles around my eyes and mouth. Who am I?" And I think that there's something about her placing that confusion and that question around who I am around her as a as a person who has aged that suddenly makes me feel like this is a universal story like I know older people and god sometimes also me I'm in my mid-30s you you think of yourself in your head your mind doesn't age and then we look at our bodies and go oh how <laughs> <laughs> How did this happen? And I think that there's something really universal and human about that moment of her realizing that she has aged and not recognizing herself, which is absolutely fundamental to her experience of, of living with Alzheimer's, but is also fundamentally human as we can't calibrate in our minds the decades that pass before us. Yeah. And I just feel a lot of sympathy here for her because she does this every single day. Every single day. Can you imagine this fundamental question of who I am and trying to place yourself in the world and trying to place yourself in the current year, trying to understand who this strange man is and this dog is. It's almost not every day. It's like every time she wakes up. So maybe multiple times a day. I mean, that, f that very human thing of who am I? Where am I? And trying to understand yourself in a foreign world. It's so scary. And this author does it without beating us over the head with the typical sadness and, and loss. Um, she does it by telling it from the perspective of this, of this woman. And we need to hear more of these stories.
you know, this this made me think about the experience of aging, the experience of people living with um, Alzheimer's differently because it's a it's a perspective I I feel like I I need to understand and I have work to do to understand it and this story has just opened that up a little bit more and and I think that's that's needed yeah the majority of the narrators in our stories are between the ages of 20 and maybe 40 50 we don't know how old this woman is exactly but it's important that we're not reading just a diverse set of narrators from different places, but also different ages and different genders. Like that's, I think what makes the experience of reading so fascinating. Thanks for reading with me, Jen. Thanks for reading with me, Lizzie. 